Hello and welcome to the Kia Coastman Basketball Podcast. Today with a returning guest, the great Mark Schindler. What's up? Uh, I'm good, man. I appreciate the intro. How, how's everything going on your end? Pretty good, pretty good. So it's been a wild week and a half, two-ish weeks in the NBA recently because the trade deadline was last week. So, I mean, let's get right into it. The headline was obviously the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade. We can go into that just kind of briefly because that's been talked about to death. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it really has. It's been a beat over the head a little bit. But, I mean, understandably, considering how big of players James and Ben are and the the discourse around that, which has been a little bit unfun to deal with. But, um, no, I mean, I thought saying it's a clear win for both sides is shedding a lot of history. But in terms of what those guys are trying to do right now, I mean, what both teams are trying to do right now, I should say, um, I think that was about as good as they can make things happen. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. I don't know if I would have wanted to trade the Harden if I'm Philly, but considering the situation, I think this is about as good as it could have been for both teams. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, definitely. I think I am really interested to see how uh, – how Philly fills out, you know, if they're able to add anybody on the bio market or how some of their other fringe rotation guys step up. Cause losing Seth really hurt. I, I think that's going to, not that I think it's going to completely kill their shooting. Um, it's more just about what his gravity is as an offensive player and his ability to move off the ball too. Um, and losing Drummond hurts too, man. Like I think I, I haven't gotten to watch last night's game yet. I actually, I'm not going to watch last night's game cause that was gross. And I feel like we're not going to get much from that anyways, but um <laughs> I want to see what Paul Millsap looks like because Andre Drummond was just about the best backup in the league at the five this year. Yeah. And he's already slotting in and starting for Brooklyn. He played pretty well last night um, or two nights ago against the Kings. So, um, I mean, I think Philadelphia will be okay. Though I do think to a degree, like, I mean, I personally struggled to put Harden as an all-star just because I think I've been a little bit too brainwashed with how much I've watched him. You know, like I'm just, uh, he's like, he hasn't been himself this year, but he's still been a top 15 player in the league pretty easily. So um, I think some people have gotten, gone a little overboard with their, uh, where they're at with him right now. I I mean, they're going to, they're going to figure it out or with that with, I mean, regardless, they're incredibly, incredibly talented. And it's hard for me to see that just, completely faltering in a playoff setting yeah i agreed to me they're gonna figure it out it's just about is it like top 15 to 20 james harden or like borderline top five james harden but you know i guess we'll just kind of see with his health and all that so past that to me i think the biggest trade was uh and the most surprising was the christoph's porzingis trade i want to know what you thought about that um yeah it was so i was doing a live stream uh for basketball news at the time when that happened and my my face is like plastered um all over uh well not all over twitter but like from from that from my reaction on the pod because we were doing it on youtube um it was it was shocking to me from both sides i think after i sat with it I was like, okay, yeah, I see why both sides are doing it. But at, at first, I mean, we just really hadn't heard anything. I think Jake Fisher from Bleach Report had put out a report earlier that morning. And, um, you know, that was um, – so so that had been around, like something about the Raptors poking around yeah. about Chris Stops. Now yeah, the, that was the first thing that I'd seen about in the entire trade cycle. 
Um, yeah. And then the deal happened just kind of out of nowhere. And um, as for the Mavs, I think people were way too harsh with it. Like I, part of it is I'm a little bit biased and I try and fight that because I just don't really get a lot from Chris stops as a player. I think he's good, but like, he's a good basketball player. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of what he actually brings, I think that um, I understand the Mavs being willing to make this trade um, defensively. Like there was a case in 2019, 2020 that he was like a fringe defensive player of the year candidate as the year went on before the bubble. Then he was awesome in the bubble, um, especially, you know, the, the end of the year towards the bubble. And then in the bubble itself, he was, I mean, he played fantastic basketball, was a borderline all NBA guy. Um, and that just fell apart after the injury in the Clipper series. He's never really gotten back to the same level of mobility he had. He's never really had the same res- presence as a rim protector, in my opinion. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that he can get back to that. But the problem is just injuries keep popping up for him. Like he hasn't played in almost a month now. Um, he's still sitting out in Washington, which I get. Like I, I, he probably won't play till after the All-Star break. Um, Got to get acclimated and whatnot. But um, I mean, I get it. After all of the injuries – all of the inconsistency. I understand Dallas being ready to move that contract. Like when that contract happened, I was surprised that it happened um, when they initially signed that. Cause I remember like, I mean, we'd been hearing the entirety of the season that they were trying to move Kristaps or looking for suitors to, to move Kristaps. And then they signed him to a, a five-year contract just kind of out of nowhere. Um, I'm not interested in doing the, this is an albatross contract thing. I still think Kristaps at his best is a very good NBA player. Um, is he somebody who I necessarily want as the second best player on my team? Probably not. But like I, there's a lot of scenarios that you can look at it from where I do think it makes sense. And for Washington, I mean, considering all of the turmoil that had gone on after a really great start to the year, um, it seemed like, you know, the guys who got shipped out were I don't want to say central to that. That seems unfair. But clearly with Dinwiddie's comments, um, he was not super thrilled to be in Washington and and, and how that had gone um Montrez hadn't been either uh if I remember correctly it was him and Contavious Caldwell Pope got into it in the locker room in the middle of one of the games um I mean that stuff has felt palpable on court with how they fell off from where they were at the beginning of the year it's not really been a talent issue with them it's been their execution and um togetherness sounds so corny and like bad analysis but it just like you can see it on court from where they were at the beginning of the year to where they are now so in terms of moving off of uh Dinwiddie who is just I mean he has not been a um, it, it does feel like uh, just from a asset standpoint, it feels early to move on from him, but from, you know, how things are going, I totally get it. Um, he hasn't completely looked right. Part of it's been the fit with Beal has just been weird, but he also just hasn't been the same guy. The burst hasn't fully been there. Um, you know, he's sneakily just not a very good off ball player. I think a lot of people haven't necessarily noticed that if they haven't paid super close attention to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also contributes to him not playing well with Beal. Um, and then Davis Breton has just been a mess for about two years now. So I, I mean, I think, I mean, but then if I mean, if you take it into looking at it from the Mavs perspective, like I get moving on from Porzingis's contract. I don't love just talking about it in terms of contracts, but I think they very clearly realized he was not the guy that they wanted to have moving forward. Um, there's been stuff out of there for a while that him and Luke aren't super tight, which isn't everything, but. Um, You know, I think there's a chance that Dinwiddie looks really solid for them. They tried to recruit him in free agency, if I remember correctly. Um, And 
I mean, Bertans cannot be any worse than he has been. And I imagine playing off of Luke, he's <laughs> going to get much better looks. Um, so just from the perspective of breaking up the Porzingis contract and the two guys who maybe could could make more sense on your roster or just easier to move because they're smaller deals, like I get that perspective. I think it's kind of a lose-lose for both sides in some ways because they're righting wrongs of uh, of of past deals in a way. Yeah, I get what you mean, but I think I would kind of push back because mm-hmm. uh, I think this was a really good move for the Wizards for a couple of the reasons you said in terms of it seems the kind of the togetherness of the team. I didn't think it was like, I don't really like when people say stuff like that. Usually I feel like it might yeah. be overblown, but just seeing how they've looked since the trade deadline with uh, not just Dinwiddie and Bertanscon, they also traded Montrez Harrell mm-hmm. and Aaron Holiday. And I don't know specifically if those guys were the issues. And I don't want to say they are, because obviously I don't have any insider information, but from the pet, press conferences since then and just the way the team has looked on the court it's been a lot more it's just like good basketball the offense is flowing more people are definitely trying harder I think buying in more on both ends and so in a way it's a little bit addition by subtraction and I think last time you came on the pod we talked about the Wizards pretty much the whole time. And this was towards the beginning mm-hmm. of the Dinwiddie struggle. And I was like, no, nah, I think it's fine. Like, you'll bounce back. It's just a little slump. <laughs> he has just not been a good football player this year, kind of, which is yeah. really confusing to me. Like, I get there's fit issues, but it's, like, jarring. And then Bertans has been possible in the league. And I think... Bertans is definitely going to be better with Luca. I, I expect him to go back to being a good shooter again because that's wizard's luck. But also, like, unlike in the basketball sense, for the Mavs, Jason Kidd, who I originally thought was a bad hiring, but I got to give him credit because he has turned this team into an amazing defense. I think mm-hmm. that two or three in the league. And I actually think part of that was Chris Stops looking a lot better this year than last year. You seem to disagree, but, you know, that's fine. Mm. Um, and Davis and Dinwiddie are definitely not great defenders, to say the least. So I'm, And then also Dinwiddie's fit with Luka is kind of weird. But also with Jalen Brunson, too, it feels like he, there's redundancy there. I think one of him or Jalen Brunson is fine, but both. It, I actually love Jalen Brunson in Dallas for sure, but I think Jalen Brunson and Dinwiddie backing up Luca is kind of weird in terms of Dinwiddie's not a great shooter. He needs the ball in his hands, not great on defense. So, and then also in terms of contract, well, first of all, Dinwiddie and Bertans are kind of negative assets at this point. Mm-hmm. And even though Chris Saft's contract has been big and he's been struggling on offense this year, well, not even really on He's just been kind of struggling three-point. Yeah, from three. Because he's been almost like 80% of the basket this year, which I definitely think is inflated by playing with Luka. But I'm still excited to see that on the Wizards. But uh, 
Dinwiddie and Bertans were definitely kind of negative assets, and I'm surprised the Wizards didn't have to give a pick to shop them. And so the Mavs took on more money with those two than they sent out with Kristaps. So I'm kind of confused with what they were doing. But I, I get what you mean. Yeah. No, it's definitely weird. And I I mean, I don't know. I've tried to go back and watch some stuff with Kristaps, and I still I, I haven't felt great about him. Like, I think he's looked a little bit more mobile than last year, but still, like, just I mean, more compared to where he was. Um, I, I just I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that. I don't think that he has looked like that. I'm hopeful. Um, like, again, I, I think, like, just to, to shore it up more, I think this is more of a win for the Wizards um, yeah. in terms of, like you mentioned, like getting off the Bertans deal and, um, and and you know, moving Dinwiddie early too um, because just he clearly did not fit. I'm interested at least by what, what Porzingis could look like and the idea of, like, okay, can you really make things work with him? And it's obviously I don't think that they have any in- inkling that he's going to be the guy for them if Brad leaves or anything like that. But I mean, can you just help rehab him to being a good basketball, like the best version of himself, like we've seen before. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. Yeah. To me, the biggest issue is just games played, mm. which you mentioned too, that like, yeah, he's not playing a lot because of injury, but you know, and then past that, uh, the wizards went, made one more move and then we can move on after, but, they traded Montrez Harrell for Ishmael Carey Jr., I think. Mm-hmm. Is there a junior? At the end yeah, of the it's junior. <laughs> okay. I was kind of confused by this because I get why Charlotte traded for Harrell. I like that, even though I wish they would have addressed their defensive issues more. But I feel like Harrell was probably worth more than what they got for him. What do you think? Yeah, and this is one of the things where, like, I don't want to speculate, but I would just imagine based on that reporting from what happened during the – I can't remember which game that happened during halftime, but I would imagine that that Trez is somebody who was pretty fed up with with being there um, and contributed to some of the um, – just some of the discourse with the team that wasn't great. And, I, I again, I don't mean to paint that as just him, but that was my uh, takeaway from that because you know, Vernon Carey Jr. is interesting as a guy who could be – a a, a fun offensive big in the league with time, but he hasn't really done much this year after having some flashes last year. Um, I mean, Ish Smith is Ish Smith. Like, I I mean, he's a consummate third point guard, but exactly like yeah. I didn't think Montrez was going to get them a first round pick or anything, but um, I did think they would at least get back like, okay, a, a rotation player, um, which yeah. I guess you can say Ish is, but um, I, I'm not trying to slander him, but like he kind of had fallen out of the rotation in Charlotte to a degree and it's, um, so I, I don't know. Um, I agree. It is a little bit wonky. I do. I liked it for Charlotte. Like I would have, my guess with him after talking with some people was that he was kind of their second option. You know, they, it, it felt like, you know, they had been maybe going after somebody like Miles Turner or, or Rashawn Holmes or anyone yeah, exactly. who is, is more actually, you know, shoring up a little bit on both ends. But I mean, Trez, even like he's looked good early for them. The defense is like I don't think he's as bad of a defender as he gets painted out to be. I think a lot of it's just, you just have to be um, scheme dependent with him. Like as we saw earlier this year, I thought he really fit into what they were doing defensively early. And that you know once the execution falls off, it's not as good. Um, but I do think he is interesting for Charlotte for sure in terms of just giving them somebody who is a big that is good on offense and can play in transition. I really like that acquisition for them. 
Yeah, I think he'll definitely help juice the half-court offense. And I guess on defense, it's not that he's really bad. It's just that they're really bad. And he does not help that. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see. And then another big trade that was made, not on deadline day, but a couple days before, was, and this is actually probably bigger than the last one, but the DeMontis Sabonis... Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb for Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald trade. There was a lot of talk about this. And I know you've watched, well, you've, uh, you write for the Pacers. I think they're like your main team, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you've been watching a lot of Kings recently. So I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this. Yeah. Um, so I think from both sides, there's a lot to take away from this. Um, I would say with Sabonis, I was pretty surprised that he ended up getting dealt. Um, like he had been in trade talks. Um, so I guess on that hand, you know, it's not surprising. But by all accounts, it really seemed like he was not going to be um, the one who get moved, who, who got moved out of him or, or, or Turner, just given what their asking price was. But um, I mean, I saw the notification flash up on my screen when it happened. And I was like, oh, okay. That they just traded Tyrese Halliburton for Demonis Bonus. And I um I mean I was very surprised by that, that that the Kings were willing to do that. I didn't expect Tyrese Halliburton to be on the table unless it was for like I mean, they had thrown around his name for Ben Simmons based on the athletics reporting, but mm-hmm. um I mean, yeah, I was not ready for that <laughs> at all. Um, I will say for the Pacers, I mean, it. unfortunately, um, it does not seem like they're going to commit to a full rebuild. It seems like they're just doing a retool, um, which means this year's draft pick is probably up for grabs with regards to trade. I don't know if they'll actually end up picking a young player. Um, it's a lot of weirdness there with that. But, um, I mean, just in terms of adding Halliburton, he gives them a real – like the best perimeter option and perimeter prospect they've had since Paul George. So, I mean, just immediately, that's incredibly tantalizing. Like, you've watched him play. I've watched him play. He's an incredible young player. His growth over the last couple of years has been ridiculous. He's on an upward trajectory. He's a good kid, which sounds like, again, that sounds like terrible analysis. But just, I mean, if you read the Players' Tribune article, like, I I wanted to cry, man. Um, He's a very dedicated individual, and that's something that you do have to factor in. yeah, he's the kind of guy you want in your organization. Yeah, and I think – so for the Pacers, I think, you know, it, obviously this year you have to factor in that this year did not go at all how they wanted it to. Um, But in terms of a team that is going in a new direction, I thought this was as good of a move as you could possibly make. Like if you were going to trade to Montes Bonus, I think this is the trade you do it for. I don't have any quibbles with the valuation and how that went down. For the Kings, I think the – the blowback to their side of the deal has been kind of a little bit much. I agree. Um, a, because I think people are underselling how good Demonis Sabonis is. But also, I just like, I get from an organizational standpoint, okay, Tyrese Halliburton may in a couple of years be a better player than Demonis Sabonis. Maybe he has a higher upside. Right now, Domas is a much better player. Um, mm-hmm. maybe much is too far, but I would go that far. I think Domas is you know, a top top 25, top 30 player. That's yeah. really good. Um, 
I don't think Tyrese is even close to that yet. Like he's a top 50, top 60 guy, but even then it's impact wise, a lot, a lot of lot you can get into with that. But um, the, the point is just like, okay, I get if I was running the team, would I have traded Tyrese Halliburton? No, but taking into account that this is Mavs ownership, not Mavs. Uh, this is the Sacramento ownership. The background of does not like missing the playoffs, even though they haven't made it in 15 years, they always do this. <laughs> Um, and like, I, I just think that that's been undersold as a very real calculus in this, like Monty McNair, this is Monty McNair's second year two and I think he's been there two and a half years right around there. Um, like he does not have the luxury of time to wait for Tyrese Albert to be the guy who can lead the franchise. And I think people might argue that he'd be ready to do it next year. Well, this team was clearly not on that. It was not appearing to be on that trajectory based on where they were built. Um, I would imagine they would have tried to trade De'Aaron instead of Tyrese if they could. Um, but clearly the Pacers, like based on reporting I've seen and people I've talked to, uh, the Pacers demanded Tyrese Halliburton. Like they wanted Tyrese Halliburton if they were going to trade Domas. They weren't interested in trading for De'Aaron Fox. And that's why the Kings ended up with Domas. Um, because they, I mean, like they they went out and they said, we want Demonis Sabonis. It wasn't just like shopping around for trades. Um I do think in terms of like what we've already seen on court, he really is super intriguing to me with, with De'Aaron and with Davion Mitchell, he's looking a little bit better off ball um, and, you know, just figuring out his athleticism and speed and, and how to use it when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Um, quietly, the Kings have been a, a league average defense for like the last month. They're right around 16 um, in league average. I mean, in, in league defensive efficiency, uh, since the start of February. And a part of that's been Davion Mitchell playing more. Part of that's just been, you know, obviously trading Buddy helps because Buddy is a sieve defensively. Um, but I think you can look at this team and say there's a chance that, that they are headed towards better heights next year. I don't think that that means a guaranteed playoff spot or anything. A lot of how I'm going to assess this trade and just the Kings in general is what they do in the offseason because I do think this is not like – you this cannot just be a one trade thing. Like you have to make more moves. Yeah. Um, I really liked going out and getting Dante DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo. Um, yeah. He still doesn't look, I mean, like he's still getting his feet under him after coming back from injury, you know, uh, gosh, how many, I think he only came back like a month and a half or two months ago. He hasn't been playing most of the season. Yeah. So he's still looking to get, you know, under, get his feet under him. But defensively, I think he's looked nice. He at least gives mm-hmm. them a, a better look than they usually have. Uh, I'm interested by the green light that he's had and how confident he's been from three. It hasn't hit yet, but um, <laughs> I just think you can overall see the outline of what they're trying to do, and I can't fault it. And I think too many people have been just absolutely casting them aside. Agreed completely. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on is you said you would choose Halliburton over Fox, and it looks like most people agreed with you. I don't know if I'm lower on Halliburton than most or higher on Fox than most, maybe both, but. I would love to have either one of them on my team. Oh, yeah, I me think, too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for sure. But I think, uh, like, I, I think I'd rather have Fox, which is, I I feel like part of what he's been doing is underrated. Er, like, this year, he hasn't been that great. But I think people are looking too much at, like, just this year and forgetting the trajectory he's been on for the rest of his career prior to this year. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair too. Um, I do think like at least just how this year was going. I mean, to me, Tyrese was having a better year than Fox um, comparing yeah. the two. And I, I don't love doing the comparisons. I wrote, literally, it was one of the most devastating things. I literally wrote an article that came out an hour before the trade saying, you know, like the entire basis of it was, this is what the Kings always do. They always try and make some move that doesn't, you know, that's short-term sighted, um, that is splitting up something that could be good. And they've really just never taken the time to rebuild in spite of picking the lottery for 15 years. And then they, they make a trade an hour after that article comes out, which was like, ah, God, that was, that was something. Um, but I think what's just different is like you mentioned, I think Fox gets unlocked more by playing alongside Sabonis. Like I am very intrigued by what they could look like together. Alvin Gentry's tinkered with some different things in the half court. Um, like they were, hosting fox up in the mid in the in the mid post like the entire wizards game and it kind of worked um you know they they did a lot more in the first game against the wolves with dribble handoffs and yeah. and domas just operating as more of the primary um which i think that's what has looked most effective for their offense i want to see more um brooklyn was just a bad game i i don't have an awesome yeah. read on how that one. i didn't watch the full game i just watched davion's minutes for the article i was reading but i mean for the article i was writing but Overall, like, I think the framework makes a lot of sense. I feel a lot better about what their direction is going forward because they at least committed to a direction, and I think it's just going to be the execution around it. But, um, again, it's just I, I think it was made out a little bit too simply. And I agree with you on Fox. Like, hey, I think it was, what, like 20, 25 and 7 last year? Yeah, 25 and 7. Um, and I think some – I'm not going to say it was empty numbers. Like, part of that was – I mean, his defense has fallen way off. It's been better um, for, like, the last week. He's looked, like, yeah. actually – trying on on defense it's like around average defense because this technique still isn't great but I, I i agree with you i think people have gotten too low on him um and playing with with somebody like domas could really mask a lot of the flaws that he does have as an offensive player and help him grow in those areas too yeah i was actually going to bring up the defense because i think it speaks to a larger point which is that at a certain point being a bad team takes a toll on a franchise Definitely. and play in it and that point was a long time ago for the Kings. And even in that first game, um, when Sabonis was on the team against the Wolves, it looked like at a certain point, there's kind of like a switch that flipped in Fox. And he noticed like, oh, I have another guy here that's like really, really good. We can be a really good team. And all of a sudden, he was like playing harder. He put in more on defense. And I think, and I don't think that's necessarily like Sabonis being some great defensive, <laughs> like helping out his teammates on defense. I think it's just like the feeling of competitiveness. And you also see it, this is kind of different, but with Sabonis on offense, the team is playing with more purpose because they know if they move without the ball, they'll get it back. That's something that Gentry talked about, I think. Mm -hmm. So it feels like just having Sabonis on this team is making everyone else play i don't want to say play harder but just like no i get what you're point. saying like when you're playing on a bad team like the execution just goes out the window like yeah. if you're not playing for something or you're not playing together like like we've seen with the wizards this year i don't mean to keep drawing it back to the wizards but it's just <laughs> i mean because they've been the most disheartening team yeah. in the nba for me this year after how they looked to, to start the year like i made an appointment viewing for the entire first month of the season to go watch wizards games 
because uh, they were just such a fun group. And then, I mean, yeah, like once that once you lose what you have that that is driving you together, it is ugly. Yeah. And then, like you said, they have the framework for this team, which is basically just kind of lengthy wings or strong defensive guards with Davion, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Justin Holiday was a really good part of that trade for them. Metu, Chemezi Metu has been surprisingly good. Harrison Barnes doesn't bring much on defense, but I feel like he's a great offensive fit with Fox and Sabonis. They definitely look like they know what they're doing for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this team. I think they've gotten too much hate. And also, Sabonis is only 25. Exactly. I think a lot of people act like he's a finished product, and I just don't agree with that. I think that there's another level that you could hit, and um, especially on a team that actually does, um, you know, really focus on building around him because the Pacers never have. I think a lot of people will try and point out like, oh, you know, they built the team around Sponis. It wasn't. That team was built around Victor Oladipo and then he got injured. Mm -hmm. And then Domas took a step forward as a player and that team was never built around him. It was built around five or six guys who all were kind of viewed on the same level by the franchise. And it's just, yeah, it. I'm excited to see how this team actually tries to prioritize that duo of Fox and and, uh, and Sabonis. Yeah, people are like, they're rushing it. I mean, I guess they kind of are, but Sabonis is on the same timeline as Fox. They're like a year or two apart in age, I think. So I think it's been overblown. Another trade definitely worth talking about to me is from the hottest team in the league, the Boston Celtics, trading Josh Richardson, uh, Romeo Langford, a first... A lottery protected first and a 2027 first round pick swap, right? Yeah, I think so. I loved that for them when I first saw it. And since Derek White has actually been playing, it has looked even better than I thought. What do you think about that? Yeah, I liked it for both sides. Um, I think it was kind of time for San Antonio to to figure out what they wanted um, and move on a little bit. Um, like this opened up Devin Vassell is starting now. This opens up more playing time for Josh Primo. Um, I would have like, I don't like, I know that they poked around about moving Jakob Pertl. Uh, that didn't end up happening. I mean, this team probably is not ready for that, but um, they just, they still feel like a little bit awkwardly in between figuring out what they're doing and, and what they are actually going for. I don't entirely know what to make the Spurs right now. I'd have to take stock um, at some point. But um, so from that standpoint, like it's not like Derek was bad for them. I think Derek was, a, I mean, he is a really good player as we're seeing in, in Boston, but just the way that things have gone in San Antonio, I think it was time for them to just give some of their young guys playing time. Um, for Boston, though, like watching that Atlanta game, that's the only Boston game I've watched so far. I need to watch uh, – I'm going to watch the Detroit game tomorrow probably. But, um, I mean, he just kind of fits in perfectly. I saw so many takes yeah. right away, like, oh, he's not that good of a shooter. I'm like, that's not the point, man. Like, yeah, he shoots like 32 or 32% or 33% from three right now this year. But – the point is, he's not going to hesitate on threes. He'll gun them. And I do think he's a better shooter than he's shown this year. Um, injuries yeah. have been wonky with him. and He's just had some inconsistency. But I do think he's at least closer to league average. Um, but more importantly, he's just, he will take the shots that are there. And he's just a really good, solid decision maker who can handle the ball, who can move the ball, 
just makes quick decisions too. And that's been a big problem for the Celtics offense is having complimentary players who do that alongside Jalen and Jason. Um, like Josh Richardson is a player who I've in, I really enjoyed his one year with Miami and things just haven't really clicked for him since then, which has been unfortunate. I think he was really playing decently in Boston, but then, uh, like to me, this trade still made perfect sense. Like, yeah, he was shooting 40% from three, but he's a hesitant shooter. Defenses don't really care about him shooting that much. And if he gets run off the line or forced to make decisions, he's not great from there. And I think that's part of what really could gum up their offense. Same thing with Romeo Langford. Like, I think Langford was showing some better strides there. And I'm interested about what he could do with the Spurs. But, like, Derek White just cleans up so much of that for them that we've already seen play out in the games that they have played. And I'm, I'm very excited for them. I'm not ready to say that they're a contender or anything, but I mean, Jason Tatum has been playing awesome basketball since about mid December. Um, and he is vehemently close to, to hitting league average true shooting percentage on the year, which is <laughs> incredible considering how he started off the year. Um, yeah. I'm very in on this team and what they could be in the playoffs. I don't, again, I don't think that they're a contender, but they are not a team that I want to face. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I agreed. I think I had them third in the East coming into the year. And then I regretted that <laughs> for most of the season. But recently, they've looked incredible. And I agree with everything you said about Derek White on offense. It's the way he moves the ball. He's oh, yeah, I didn't even say anything about his defense. It's my bad. <laughs> okay, so that's what I'm about to get to. He makes, in my opinion, the best defensive backcourt in the league. I think the only one that comes even close is Chicago's with Lonzo and Caruso. But I, I think there's a good chance Marcus Marr and Derek White are the two best guard defenders in the league, period. And I don't know how other teams are supposed to score on this team. And Derek White kind of solidified that for them. The help defense from both of them, great rim protector for some reason. Also, I don't know if you can hear my dog in the background. Apologies if you can. Oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's like a great rim protector for some reason, even though he's, what, 6'3". Him and Marcus Smart cover so much ground. They're great man defenders. Combined with the defense they already had with Al Horford, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice is back. This team is crazy on defense yeah exactly i mean like they can literally run out closing lineups where jalen brown is their worst defender and exactly. i think i mean like jalen i he's not the defender that i think a lot of people think he is like he can do some good stuff at the point of attack but he gets back cut a ton and he's not awesome on screens but even then he's he's big he's long and he'll contest you and that's good enough for me at the point of attack like Jason has been much better on defense this year. Not that he was ever bad, but like he went from a guy who was like bordering on all defense to taking a step back as his usage has, has gone up. And he's back to being like an above average defender to me. Um, you know, like what a sub all defense guy, like, you know, like on, on the short list, but won't make the list. Um, and like you mentioned, like I think Derek White and, and Marcus Smart would both make all defense teams for me right now. Like Derek has been yeah. that good defensively this year. His rotations are awesome he's good at the point of attack screen navigation is good he's so good on rear contests and just getting in mucking things up uh unfortunately marcus smart's gonna be out for a while now um i don't remember how long but it's a decent proportion of time so 
I'm interested to see how that goes because he was really starting to solidify some things for them in the half court as a, as a playmaker. But um, no, man, I agree with you. I think that was probably my favorite move that happened at the deadline. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. This is I can't wait to watch them going forward. And they're already super fun to watch. Uh, probably the last big move to talk about this one before the actual deadline day was the C.J. McCollum to New Orleans trade for Josh Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and a protected first-round pick. Uh, also, Portland got, or not Portland, New Orleans also got Larry Nance along with C.J. McCollum. I know you've been watching a lot of the Pelicans, though. I want to know what you think about this. Um, I thought, I'm for, from the... From the Blazers' standpoint, um, I think a lot of people scoffed at this, but like I, I just thought it was telling. It was like, okay, you know, this is something that should have happened a couple of years ago. Like they should have moved off CJ prior. Um, not that he's a bad player. Like I think we'll talk about that in a minute. He's looked awesome for New Orleans, but um, like I mean, his value really depreciated, and it was hard to move his his deal. I don't love just talking in terms of asset value, but like that is kind of what it is around the trade deadline. Um, he was having an okay year. I, I mean, having a collapsed long midseason certainly did not help in him getting traded either. Um, yeah, but like bringing in Josh Hart, who has looked really good in Portland, he's averaging 25 really? points per game in Portland. Uh, only two games, but I don't care, I'm gonna run with that one. Uh, he, I mean, I love Josh Hart, he's somebody who I would love to see play more on the national stage so more people can realize how good he is. Um, yeah, he's like, he really is. He's like a legit plus starter now. Like he went from a yeah. guy who was like borderline starter last year to now like he's really solidified who he is. The shot has kind of come down to earth a little bit, and I'm hoping that, you know, that'll get back up around league average again. But he's just – he's a good player, man, on both ends. Um, so I like that for them. Um, you know, just in terms of like it's a new front office. They're going to clear these things out. I think that they they did what they had to do. Um, I definitely have questions about Portland long-term, but that's for another podcast. Um, as for Pelicans, though, like, I love this. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the reaction was like, oh, why would you take on CJ's deal, this and that? Like, you're setting a small guard with defensive problems. I'm like, okay, well, one of the things I liked, like, J.J. Redick actually was pretty solid in New Orleans. I think that first year of his contract yeah, and looked really good in two-man games alongside Zion. And obviously, it seems like Zion might not come back today. Christian Clark from, I think he's at the Times pick a Yoon in, uh, in New Orleans, um, you know, reported that Zion is getting, potentially going to need a second procedure on his foot. So not good. Um, so I'm not sure what to make of that. But just in terms of seeing what CJ brings to this team, I mean, they have really struggled with shooting all year. Uh, in terms of actually having uh, competent shooting. Like it, it, like I mentioned with Josh, like Josh was shooting really well for a stretch, and then it kind of came back down to earth. Brandon hasn't shot as well from three this year. I mean, yeah, the team overall shooting 32.7% from three, which is 27th in the league. So they're, uh, they have a – I mean, it, it really just cramps the spacing at times. Um, so adding in CJ, somebody's a legit movement shooter – just a really good outlet scorer in general and another secondary ball ball mover, uh, not ball, ball mover, secondary playmaker, ball handler, yeah. I think was really key for them. Um, and I love that. Like, they're still a really young team in terms of, uh, 
like and like just looking at the contracts that they have like they have i think two years before they have to extend zion or, or figure that out um so CJ, like I, I don't know i think i'm just at the point where like you have to get talent you have to like this is a team that cannot be in the uh you know outside the plan or outside the playoffs um so i thought this was the right move for them i liked it a lot especially considering how things have gone with Na this year too and he ended up getting redirected to utah but um I mean, CJ's look just really nice for them, especially considering like Devontae Graham has been way overtaxed as their starting point guard this year. He has not really been able to shoulder that load. His shot hasn't been awesome. Um, he's not quite enough of a playmaker to handle, you know, like I think he could be a starting point guard alongside somebody like Zion, but throughout the roster, they just have really struggled without having the gravity of a star player like that. And I think they've looked better as Brandon Ingram's passing has really exploded and um, he's gotten better with his shot selection and figuring out, you know, how to pick his spots. But, um, I mean, this, this team is quietly, I think 500 since December, like Willie green has done a really good job with them. And I'm just impressed with, with the play that they're putting out in general. And they're my pick to take the 10 spot. Like, I think that they'll end up taking the 10 spot and potentially, I mean, the Lakers play Utah tonight, man. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a like we're 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 in a we're in a world where it's not too far fetched that the Lakers could fall to the ten spot if things keep going south for them. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about the Pelicans though. Uh, they, they've been a very fun watch for me. Like, not to keep going on and on, but like, I mean, Jackson Hayes has kind of figured some things out too. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks really good. Uh, I just like you keep thinking, okay, well if. What if Zion is here? What does that look like? And that's the whole point. Like, I want to see what it looks like with Zion there. But even without Zion there, like, I feel I feel a lot better about them as a team. Yeah. For the playing thing, I would probably choose the Kings, but it doesn't matter. For the trade itself, getting CJ, the, to me, there are two main issues. One of them being he probably has to play point guard and he's not a playmaker like that. And two, the defense. In terms of the playmaking, I think it's kind of fine because Brandon Ingram has taken a big leap as a playmaker this year. Zion is one of the better playmaking, I would say one of the best playmaking forward, bigs, whatever. Point Zion last year. Wait, was that last year that he played? Yeah. I can't even remember. Yeah, point Zion last year was really good at times. And I imagine that'll only get better. So I don't think that's a big issue, but the defense is definitely a problem because Herb Jones has to do a lot. <laughs> he does have to do a lot. Like I, I definitely will have questions defensively, but I, I think you know scheme wise they've they've looked solid. Um, so I've been impressed with some of that. But yeah, I agree. Like they they really are going to need the most from some of the younger wings that they drafted. Um, yeah. But they have gotten good minutes, and I, I think in terms of just actual execution, like they've been they've been solid. Not not anything blowing me away, but I think it's been enough where you're encouraged. Yeah, I think actually, ironically, Josh Hart would be great to have. <laughs> yes, but Larry Nance, who they got in the trade, will help them a lot on defense when he comes back. So I was a fan of the trade. I think it makes them a lot better offensively. I know you said you're kind of limited on time. Is it about time to wrap it up, you think? Yeah, I got to bounce if that's okay. Okay. So, Mark, let them know where they can find you. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Key. I always enjoy talking. Glad we can link up. Yeah, thanks for being flexible. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MSchindlerNBA. That's M-S-C-H-I-N-D-L-E-R-N-B-A. 
Um, I'm a writer over at basketballnews.com, um, and a myriad of other places, but yeah, Twitter is the best place to find me. You can find me on Twitter at TruthTellerNBA and on Instagram at NBA.TruthTeller. Thank you so much for coming on, Mark. It's always great to have you. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, Kia. See you.